Hello, beautiful people. My name is Mitchell, and this is the Back to the Present podcast, where I sit down and discuss this roller coaster we call life with people of all different smells and smiles. On today's episode of the podcast, we have Andrew Hughes. Hughes is a speaker and a coach who utilizes the Enneagram personality system to unlock people's potential and motivate leaders. How are you, Andrew? I'm very well, thanks. Mate, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Generally, I'll just uh, ask of you to just introduce yourself um, to the level of detail that you want to go into. just a sort of a brief description as to um, how you got where you are at the moment and then what you're doing with yourself. Yeah. So you want me to fire up now? Yeah, go for it. So um, thanks for inviting me on the show. We should have a bit of a chat. We've had a few chats in the past. Um, uh, Just a quick background, I guess. Um, Started off life as an accountant with KPMG Pete Marwick, then went and got into law, did that for about 15 years, worked on some big cases, worked in a big national law firm, um, was chief client partner, and um, and then had the midlife awakening at around about 40. And um, that, that's when I, um, uh, around about 40, that's when I decided you know, we needed to make a break. So we, we had four kids at the time, picked up family, uh, moved um, from our, you know, where all our contacts were and we, we'd made a life down in Canberra because where I was doing big government law and we moved up to, um, up into this region, a bit further up near Taree and um, because my in-laws were up there then started started anew and one of the things I started doing then was was leadership um, because I'd, I'd run big teams, et cetera. You know, I think I ran a team of 70 lawyers at one stage and then I ran a whole bunch of client partners for a big national law firm. And so uh, got into doing a bit of leadership, worked with Stephen Covey for a while. You probably would have heard of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I delivered that training. Yes, okay. Didn't know that, but know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and did the leadership, uh, their leadership module. I ran that for a while and then gradually sort of did more and more of my own thing. I retooled, I did a whole bunch of, NLP trainings and then um, about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was now, I discovered the Enneagram, um, which has become a, 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 um, a sort of a critical diagnostic tool for me as I help people, you know, navigate the, the intricacies of their um, behavioural patterns. So, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what I do now. And I work mostly with executives, with executive teams. Um, occasionally get calling into, you know, manufacturing as uh, working with team leaders for on team dynamics. But all, all my sort of work is around relationships, people being really honest with each other and, you know, getting past their, their various frailties and triggers and, um, and perspectives which, uh, which don't help in, in making good decisions and, and getting the best outcomes in that team environment. Yeah, um, just a, a quick, uh, quick 
quick point here. Um, as Andrew said, we've had conversations before, not podcasts, conversations where um, it's almost like roles are reversed and Andrew's asking me the questions. Um, we've, had, we've had a few and um, I suppose that started, that was through my full-time job um, and that was probably three, almost four years ago, maybe first conversation, Andrew? I'm close to it, at least at least three. Mm. I'm thinking. Um, anyway, and um, they were, funnily enough, like this come to me as you were talking, they were around the time where I started to realise there was more to um, life than just the physical and mental and even emotional um, um, mm. spaces. So it's it was quite funny because when we when we you and I were first started talking, I was also learning about similar things but slightly different from different areas, and they all sort of come together onto the same highway. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was cool because there's. I learned a lot from those experiences with you, a shitload really. And, and because I was learning a lot from a lot of different, not a lot of different areas, from a few different streams, um, what was interesting was that there was a lot of similarities in all of them. And that's why I said like, I used the analogy about coming in onto the same highway because that's definitely what it felt like for me. Um, with a, just a, a question, um, you said, obviously, I knew you were a lawyer. I didn't realise you you um, were a leader to such huge teams. But regardless of that, you, you made a, a, a reference to your, uh, a bit of your own awakening. Um, yeah. do, you, do, you, do, you, do you mind t touching on that? Just because it's funny, every, basically every guest I've, I've had on has said something to the same accord um, and they've all had their own um, experiences. Some have shared, some, some haven't. Um, was it like... Yeah, you share it with me, but was it like a pivotal switch that was uh, flicked off or on, whatever you want to call it, or was it? Uh, did it feel like it was a more of a progressive, progressive overload? It was a, it was a you know, it was a big weekend of uh, getting on the turps. No, not... <laughs> that can do it too, can't it? No, 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 great technique. Yeah. Um, uh, so life goes in seven-year cycles and there's a lot of great research if you want to look at it, the, the seven-year cycles and the things that we work through. And, yeah. and that 28 to 35 is, is normally that sort of really building the professional aspect of who you are. Okay. And so once you get, you know, normally people do spend a lot of time focused on climbing the corporate ladder and then once you get to 35, it becomes a bit of that, a bit of the beginning of that long dark night of the soul. I was like, well, what does it all mean? Where does it all fit in? And that sort of hit me. You know, I've always, I'd always been asking those questions. And then probably um, by the time I was, I don't know, 37, 38, I really started to ask those questions. I really didn't like what I was doing. I remember um, one day I got up to um, go to go to work and I, you know, and I had, I had, because I was a chief client partner, I had all these shiny suits. I had 40 ties, you know, <laughs> 10 pairs of Lloyd shoes. And, you know, I only wore French cuff shirts, fish cuff links. And I was a bit of a dandy. And um, and that was sort of my job was to be shiny. <laughs> and um, I was rolling up and I was putting my tie on. And my son at that stage would have been, I don't know, he would have maybe been five or six or something. Anyway, I'm putting my tie on and I'm going, oh, here we go, work schmirk. 
as I put the tie on and, and I heard my son Ethan as he walked out the door, he walked up to see to talk to Karen and said, Oh, poor daddy, poor daddy's got to go to work. You know, and I think, geez, what am I teaching my son? Mm. And so I started to look. I had a sense that all I could do was be a lawyer because I've been doing it a long time and I was pretty good at what I was doing. And so the golden handcuffs, you know, like, what else could I do? And so I started to look probably about 38, 39. I was looking, what else am I going to do? But about 38, what else am I going to do? What else can I do? I, I started just trying and applying for jobs sort of out of my, out of the legal game. And then I got to four, uh, was I 40? I think I was 40. When I got to 40 and I, we had our fourth child, Lily, and we took a month off up, at, up to my in-laws. And um, I meditated every day for a month. Sorry, yeah, every day for a month, every morning I'd get up. Um, I'd sort of do the kid thing. I'd get all kids organised in the morning. And then once Karen um, sort of you know, gave her a bit of a sleep in, and once she sort of got up and around about 9, 9.30, I'd say, right, I'll go and meditate for an hour. And that was sort of a deal we had going. I'd do the mornings, but then she'd give me an hour so I could meditate. Um, I was actually working on, I don't know if you ever heard of the Master Keys system. Master Keys. Master Keys system, yeah, written by, oh, what's what's the guy's name? Anyway, I might remember it later, but the Master Keys system, and it's basically a 30-day a, a or 30, 30 step meditation program. Okay. Um, allegedly used by the Rockefellers and blah, 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 blah. Gotcha. And know a bit more about them now than I did then. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I would just, I was just practicing meditation for an hour every day. So after about a week, I began to get this sense that I had to get out of the law. A week yeah. of meditation. I didn't tell anyone. I just had a sense. Yeah. After two weeks, I had this deep sense that I had to leave. I had no choice. Yeah. I had to leave. And by the third week, I realized it was already a done deal. I could no longer be a lawyer. <laughs> That's what I think I told Karen. That's when I think I told Karen. And then by the fourth fourth week, it just sort of embedded it. And it, and so that then I decided to leave. That was my awakening. My awakening was yeah. I just realised I was no longer the person who identified themselves as Andrew, the lawyer who worked in that. Now, the next five, ten years were tough because I had to reinvent myself. I fooled myself that it was going to be easy. It wasn't easy. Yeah, of course. I went from the, from the penthouse to the bloody outhouse overnight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was my, that was a awakening for me, that agitation. Everyone goes through it. We'd like, you know, that's why people go and buy shit or have an affair or because they're, they're unhappy. They look at their lives and think, what is it all about? Yeah. Like uh, I need something to fill that void. Yeah. Luckily I had the, um, luckily I, I had the presence of mind to decide to meditate for, for that period. Yeah. And yeah. so when I went back and I advised them that I was leaving, yeah. they were, you know, work was shocked. They were about to anoint me as the the next big thing, give me the next big gig. I mean, I, you know, I would be very, very, very senior by now on enormous income and have a very, very different life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of those things I just once, once I, I'd, had, I'd, I'd actually had a shift in identity on our realised. Yeah. My identity had shifted. And so I was no longer the person who could do that job. Of course, yeah. Because it just lacked a whole, lacked authenticity. 
Yeah. I mean, I kept on. What is it? What did? How did it serve? Didn't really serve the world. Who cared if it all? If that whole place that I was working, that law firm, you know, got swallowed up the next day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. life on. It just didn't have it. Yeah. It just lacked meaning. Mm. Um, yeah. So there. Yeah. That was it, mate. Yeah. No. It's interesting. In in many ways, I suppose. Um, it interests me that like there was there was enough there was enough of something within you that um, shifted the change in the sense that you chose to do that 30 day meditation. And then there was also enough that like timing or or whatever we call it, that allowed you to do that then and then when you needed to, as opposed to doing it in another way, like you said about filling the void, which is seems to be maybe the more common way of doing things, which I suppose in, in, in one sense, it could have happened, couldn't it? You know what I mean? But for whatever reason, when you did that, 30 day um, process that's just not what happened for you which is it's crazy to crazy to think that that's that shift um that's like 30 days might seem like a lot to someone doesn't meditate but when you think of 30 days daily that then um allowed you to follow the path that you're on now it's it's not really anything as far as time goes that's totally changed my life yeah, totally changed your life. You, you know, like it's it's yeah, it's it's crazy to think where you would be if, if you didn't make that make that. Only you know, I've never been able to do it again. Mm, yeah, I've never. I've I've had intentions. Yeah, but I've never been able to string together thirty days. Oh every. really? Interesting. So that's even more fascinating to know that that exact time, like you'd say that you've done more work on yourself now than you ever have, obviously because you're older or whatever, and you'd think that it'd be. It, you could get caught in thinking that 30 days would be easy for you because of the you know, work you've done. But <laughs> it was that particular 30 days that made the shift. And then since then, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, I've done harder things since. Like I've done yeah. uh, 10 days of Vipassana, which is, yeah. which is, you know. Have you done Vipassana? No, I've, I've looked into it, something I, I will um, pursue at some, at some stage. Yeah. No yeah. one enjoys that, but no. it's an experience, right? It's intense. Yeah, of course. Far harder, but the you know, and if you're right, just that just that window to have the opportunity, the space. But see, that's the thing with life, you know, life really is working for you. Yeah. You know, that, great, that great saying, which you know, life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you. Yeah. Um, and so if you you know, I think and I think that's true for all of us, you know. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. I just finished listening to um Ramdas be here now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they seem to be the books that I'm reading a lot of lately, and it's um, it's a, it's definitely a timing thing because everything that everything that I read or I listen, especially when it comes to him, a lot of it, it's, some, it's very serious. It's honest and it's very serious. It's it's quite lighthearted, as you know, but like everything you hear him say is just it just feels very truthful. That that's yeah. how I've sort of been able to do, um describe it because it's like some of it i've heard before from other people but just the way he puts it and because he's got a bit of a sense of humor and i don't mind a sense of humor it's yeah. it just just lands home doesn't it it's yeah, um, yeah. i it's, wouldn't recommend quite as much lsd though as he had <laughs> uh, no 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 I, I i dabbled when i was younger but i don't think i'd give him a run for his money <laughs> he did more than dabble yeah he did more than dabble <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you listen to some some of his stories and and i think he says it himself he's like it's you can't go back and look to and say he wouldn't be the same person that he was now if he hadn't done it but then yeah. there's obviously the fact that he had done it to be where he is now. 
and to and that um i'm forgetting the other names of like timothy leary and the other people that had were on that sort of journey with him how he was saying how lots of them went in different directions you know they all had you know, quote unquote, the same experiences, or they did the same thing, but they had different experiences, which created different outcomes, which is, which is also pretty, pretty, um, pretty interesting. Mm. Um, I, um, I read a, on your blog, I, I read a couple of your blogs, sorry. And I, one couple, a few things really hit home. One, what that was really interesting was, um, what you wrote about in regards to courage versus comfort, mm. uh, rather than me butcher it can you explain that a little bit because i really like what you wrote <laughs> well good i wrote that about five years ago i must update that blog yeah um, testing your memory no, just, just just even no, just no, what, no, I what think, it means for you now you know key challenge i think it's a key it's a key challenge you know yeah. the and that's this is the i think it's the human condition the human condition is to seek comfort is to you know strive to create that emotional safety uh, and, and level of comfort for ourselves and we'll all do that in different ways yeah and that's the beauty of you know working with a tool like the enneagram it, it gives you the the different perspectives and the various lenses that we use and so you know someone who um is quite comfortable in being big and robust and taking fears at you know uh, fears on the front foot and you and I know people like that. Um, and that's not because they've got enormous amount of courage. It's just because that's the way they deal with it. That's the way they deal with the fear. So that becomes comfortable for them, becomes comfortable them to, for them to meet every attack with an attack, you know, the best form of defence is offence. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, at the other end of the extreme, some, some people will, you know, comfort for them means just getting on with, it, with everyone, uh, not um, not being made to feel any level of discomfort or have their world shaken too much, just to sort of not rock the boat and go along steady. She goes quietly, quietly, quietly. And, and someone like that might be moved. What's comfortable for them is to just agree. You know, I'll just go along with everyone. I won't really have my own opinion. Um, I'll... Um, I'll uh, say yes sometimes, even if I really mean no, I'll say yes. So, and, and you know, we could go along with a, with a whole different range of it. For you and I, Mitch, it might be our comfort comes from avoiding looking at what's bothering us right now by taking on a new project. Yeah. What's exciting, reading a book, going watching a movie, something to distract us, something to get our mind away, um, or um, you know, some indulgence we might we might eat, we might get travelling, shoving ourselves with stimulation, yeah, because that stops us from looking at the things that we don't want to look at. So, courage, on the other hand, um, no courage, no growth. We know that, and courage is not the ability to be rude or aggressive or be loud. It's to do the things that you find uncomfortable. Yeah. Isn't it? So that's the, I think that's the challenge for all of us. So for the person who's, a, who's, who's happy to have a blue, what's harder for that person? Be vulnerable. Be the person who just listens and accepts maybe their fault. Don't get on the front foot. Don't rise to anger. For the person who's always saying yes, but, you know, really mean wanting to say no, but can't quite get it. What's, what's the courageous thing for them? Speak up for their own mind. 
um, say no. Tell people what they truly think. Take a risk. Rock the boat a little. Yeah. For you and I, the courageous thing might be meditate. <laughs> yeah. Find some quiet time. Sit with yourself. Be Really confront the reality of where you are, of who you are. Um, yeah, so... So I do think there's this tension that we all have. We are creatures driven to find comfort. Yeah. And we all have a strategy. Everyone finds their comfort in a certain way. Um, and our courage and our growth lay in challenging those, those um, habits where we seek comfort that keep us trapped where we are and actually don't serve us serve us rather they serve to numb us serve to cut us off from the true reality of who we are and and what we can manifest in life and and you know stop us from bringing out the true essence and power of who we are that will influence the world in a powerful way and positive way yeah beautifully said it's um it's fucking hard to be courageous sometimes, isn't it? I suppose it's it's probably why it's not as common as living in the comfort. Because yeah, but I mean, if it was easy, you know, we'd all be doing it. But it's easy, we'd probably be. What would be the point of the game? Yeah, it's 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 true. You know, it's 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 nice to be comfortable, but yeah, like if there was no, if there was no need, or if it was just easy to be courageous, then the courageous, the courageous acts maybe wouldn't have the same zing to it and so we wouldn't get maybe the, the same growth out of it it wouldn't mm. be as courageous which is yeah. um, i mean I, i'm a strong believer mitch that you know there's life before life just like there's life after death this yeah. is the this one episode in who knows how many yeah um and that you know, and you can have many worlds theory and we can argue about are they all happening at once or they all happening in linear and there is no linear time and all of that sort of stuff. Let's put that to one side. Yeah. But I think as, you know, the, the, the evolution of us as a soul is to go on that journey from um, coming from oneness, universe, um, creator, whatever you want to call it, God, if you want to call it God, not not in that Old Testament why I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about a, that creative being, the great creator. So if you come from there, then I think the journey is to get back to there. And to get back to there, what you need to go through is you need to go through these series of steps of awakening as to who you are. Yeah. And as you awaken as to who you are, you awaken to the fact that you and I are one. You and I are the same. And so then I can, I can but treat you, I must treat you as my brother. Mm. I can only treat you with love. Or if I don't treat you with love, then, um, you know, I'm hating myself. Yeah, I get it. I'm dishonouring myself. Yep. And then the next step is, well, actually, we're all one being humanity. And then, and then um, that one beingness, uh, we're one with the planet. Mother Earth, we are one sentient being all wound together. And then I think we go from there to be the solar being. And then I think we go from there probably to be the galactic being. Who knows? Yeah. But I think there's this journey that we're all on inexorably. And so if there ever comes a time when <laughs> there isn't this 
tension between what's comfortable but what's courageous to really be more open, be more transparent, be more of who you are, if there comes a time that that doesn't exist, well, that probably means um, we're in Nirvana. (laughs) We've got to that place. Yeah, which almost, it sounds good on the outside, but it also seems a little bit troubling, doesn't it? <laughs> For me, anyway. <laughs> um, the, yeah. the, the, the courageous, the courage, um, it's, do you, do you find it's like looking from the outside because you deal with people, um, coach people and lead people daily, do you find that courage comes easier through um you know repetition and um a broader perspective in in line with what you've just said um or do you think it's just a do you think it is a little bit more of a natural evolution and people just become certain people become more courageous for whatever reason experience plays its part Uh, you can't replicate experience yeah um, I always hope that you could, you know, I read every quick fix book in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just say these four words before you go to bed and um, your life will be amazing. Or just sign up for this trading course and you too will be a multimillionaire by next <laughs> week. So um, I just don't, there, there just aren't any magic pills um, in my view, I, I don't think. Um, and... Yeah, so so I think experience, the more experience you have and the more you're um, lean into that area, the easier it becomes. I think the big thing is awareness. The more aware you are of why you're doing what you're doing, then just as a sort of naturally, it begins to take the edge off your compulsion or your trigger. You might in the first time do something different, but the second, the third, the fourth time, you go, oh, there's that thing again, or oh, there's that thing again. As you become more aware of it, it loses its power over you. It loses its power over you. Yeah. So uh, I think that repetition, just doing it without experience, just means you build more, you, you build harder internal layers. What you're doing is you're building a bit more of a, you know, you're, like you're building up calluses on your skin, but you're doing it at an emotional level. And, and so while that is useful, um, and it can get results in the grander scheme of things in terms of, you know, our, our personal evolution and where we want to, you know, what we want to leave as our legacy on the planet and what impact we want to have on our children and the people who know us and love us. The more courageous course, but the harder course, is to rather than build the calluses so that I'm numbing myself from what's going on within me, is to confront what's in me. And I think what I've discovered, Mitch, is the more people are prepared to confront the source of the discomfort that gets triggered in whatever circumstances might apply to whatever particular person, the more prepared they are to do that uh, and take it on head on and do some of the deeper work that you know what I'm talking about, the quicker they are to be able to just, you know, quite easily just move into what's uncomfortable or their threshold for what is uncomfortable goes up significantly. And we're always working. Yeah, of course. We're always working. Um, But, yeah, it does have a significant 
impact if you're prepared to do that 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 work yeah that's like the buddhist term that they use for the suffering isn't it it's knowing is, is it similar to in the sense that you um you, you know the suffering and i suppose you're you're making choices to sit with it as opposed to run from it yeah yeah i mean that's in that buddhist sense that sort of you know it's just sensation yeah yeah i i'm just thinking because like it, it again it is very easy to um sorry it's not very easy once you become aware of the suffering or whatever it is, whatever word you use um just becoming aware of it, it's it's the it often feels like it's the first step but then there's the next step is to go into it which is what you're talking about yeah. um, which may, just made me remember i'm sure you've used this with other people I, I remember one session you and i did um i don't i'm sure you've got a name for it i'll ask about it in a second but it was um to do with like with eyes closed it was to do with um looking at i think it was looking at myself from up above like right up above and then coming in oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah coming in yeah. and then i think there was maybe some questions that followed that and then zooming back out again and zooming back in is there do you is there, is there a name or a term for that is, is it like yeah we were doing um uh, that's actually sort of called timeline it's called timeline therapy okay um don't get too much it's it, what but you know a better way to talk about it, it's memory regression so what okay. you're doing so um I love that quote from Carl Jung, um, father of psychology, who said, um, if you don't bring the unconscious into the conscious, it'll determine your life and you'll call it fate. Remember that quote, yeah? It's great. Fate, isn't it? It's great. Oh, yeah. what, is, what does that mean? It means that what we've buried, what we've got underneath the surface, and we know that before we're seven, we're that big unconscious brain and we're the imprint period and we're just like a sponge absorbing whatever we perceive and taking it as gospel. And we push that down and that becomes the foundation of how then we filter life, what life means to us. This means that, this means that. And we always get back to these beginning understandings. And of course, if we didn't have those beginning understandings, how would we function? Yeah. How would we know when to be happy? How would we know when to be sad? How would we know what's funny? How would we know what's not? We, these, these are learned responses that build from the time we're little, you know? And the people who are making meaning of what things mean are us. And of course, when you're two, you probably wouldn't get seek advice from your two-year-old self now, but nonetheless, at two, you're making key decisions about the nature of life, the nature of who you were. And you've been doing that, you know? And then you get to a stage where now, okay, now I've, I've built that foundation. I can now begin to tweak it a little bit, but pretty much that's it. So when you understand that, okay, there are certain things that trigger me, there are certain things that drive a pattern or a behaviour in me that I see is not self-serving, that is getting in the way of my, you know, my success in life, finances, relationships, um, work, whatever it might be, then you can, using that process we did, that's the source, that's the unconscious content. We go and we look for that unconscious content um, and then once you can change the meaning of that, change how that, how you've essentially coded that in the in in your um, in your software, which is what you've done. You've essentially coded some meanings on which everything else is based. Yep. Um, change that code, then naturally, 
you will express life differently. You'll perceive life differently. Yeah. So that's one of the, that's sort of those pain points that, that, um, that we go after. And that was that emotional, yeah, that emotional content I was talking about. When you confront that, makes a big shift. People make big shifts, not, and they don't make a shift like, you know, 5%, then another 2%. What happens is often is the next week they feel different. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely felt different when we did it. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, there was a lot of things that were going on at that point in time. So it helped me a, a lot. And there was a lot of, um, from memory, um, we did it a few times, but there was a lot of um, like, I was able to like forgive a lot of uh, parts of myself, mm. which, which I think I got a lot of, um, I think there was a lot of power in that, you know what I mean? Like instead of beating myself over up over shit and, and yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was able to give myself and realize, you know, that the decisions, that the the memories that I have of, of being young, like they're just they're just memories, you know what I mean? And we and I, I'd associate myself with those memories, and then you know that technique highlighted the opportunity to be able to forgive that small friggin' child <laughs> that it's like thirty years ago, and then also realize that the that little fella, that little Mitch at that age, like exactly what you just said, he was doing what he needed to do, like. Like give give you give the guy a break. He did what he did what he needed to do. He he did it because he he had to do it at that point in time. And there's no point in um in letting that um necessarily dictate you know whatever thirty years down the track. Yeah, and I think ultimately all forgiveness, all forgiveness, Mitch, is forgiveness of self. Yeah, I agree. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not so much because everything's projected. You know. When we, when we hate someone or we take umbrage with someone, if we really, it's, it, it's so often a projection of something that's going on for us because what they've done or what they've said to me meant something, it means something to me about me. Yeah. So we make it our own. And then it's that that we react to. It's actually not what they're doing or what they said that we're, they react to. It's what we made it mean for ourselves. Yeah. And um, that meaning is generally um, something that's very close to a decision that we're, we've made about ourselves or a fear we have about ourselves. Okay. So, for example, um, you know, the person is really, young, you know, um, let, me think, let me think of a, an example. Um, maybe I'm just trying to think of a client example where I've, where I've had one like that. Uh, oh, anyway, I can't, I can't think of one right now. Okay. But so often it is, um, yeah. I remember I once worked with a lady years ago when I first started this game and she was really incumbent upon it. Like she was, you know, work sort of, sort of uh, attached to her mother, like almost bolted to her mother. She was like a slave to her mother and had this real sense of obligation. And she was really bitter with her mother, really bitter, really resentful, really resentful. Um, you know, my mother this, my mother that, she runs my life. And I'm talking to this lady, she was like 50. So 50, 50, if you haven't spoken up now, you probably should, you know. <laughs> like her mother's like in 75 or something. <laughs> and we did one of those things, you know, and it was, so it's about, you know, forgiving mother. But actually what it came down to was, this lady did, we did that work and she had this deep sense of being unworthy. 
of love, his deep being unworthy of love. And so she essentially just loved herself and that little version of herself that was, you know, just crying out for love but feeling all the time that she was never worthy. So, therefore, she was always trying to do things to be worthy all the time. When she finally essentially just loved herself, forgave herself for doing whatever she'd done all those years ago. Yeah. Like you said, it's just little Mitch. Just love herself. And um, it's funny, we did the process, and she'd had chronic leg pain for like 15 years. Um, we stopped the pro- we finished the process. She stood up and she said, My leg pain's gone. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, leg pain just disappeared. And um, and that totally changed her life. Like all that obligation. It was like, oh, or released it. And she didn't have resentment to her, towards her mother. Yeah. Well, she didn't need it because the resentment to her mother, in a sense, was the projection of the resentment she had towards herself for not standing up for herself, for not loving herself, for not forgiving herself. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of those ones where it sounds simple, like the the moment that she loved herself, all that changed, but it took her 50 years to also love herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's probably also sitting back going, far out, 50 years. Like if I just loved myself 30 years ago, uh, things could have been different. It reminded, what you were saying then reminded me of something that Ramdas says about like, if you get me mad, that's my problem in the sense that like that that's that like the projection that you're talking about you know what i mean if if in the this example if you were to say something and i were to get mad it's not your problem it's it's my problem there's there's obviously something going on within me that i can that that that's conscious or subconscious that that it's nothing to do with you making me mad i've just made myself mad exactly right exactly yeah. um do you find I, I feel like everybody could learn to either love themselves because they don't love themselves or love themselves more. Um, so using that as a, as a bit of an example, do you find there's, there's always like maybe one overarching or a couple of little things that are like basically common amongst all of the people that you work with? Hmm. Broad question, I know. <laughs> um, everyone has pain. Okay. Everyone has pain. Yeah. Everyone has a view of themselves which is painful. Like when they're really, everyone, if they're really honest with me, everyone has a view of themselves at some level that is painful. There's something that they're lacking. Yeah. Everyone. Okay. It doesn't matter who, you know, everyone. Um, And the people who aren't are the people who ascend, right? (laughs) That's another (laughs) game. Yeah. Anyone who's got a personality, essentially, which is everyone, the personality is built around, it's, it's the personality is a structure that we build in order to present something to the world because we know the truth of who we are is not enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. So everyone I ever meet, um, and of course, the older people get, the more experience I've done, the more peace they make with themselves. Yeah. 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 Um, but of all the people I work with, yeah, that, that's a common theme. Everyone has pain and everyone has a has an, a sense of themselves which is less than who they truly are. Yeah. What why do you like is has that got to, a lot to do with um what you were talking about before about what happens in the first seven years and and whatnot? Like it, it it's it seems when you think about it, I, I agree with what you're saying. 
However, I also think it's it's also strange to me, and I'm probably using my mind too much here, but it also seems strange to me that we have seven years where we, we do all the programming. Yeah, agreed. And then it's, it's I realise it seems to, can, can seem to be however many years, the rest of life, um, not necessarily undoing that programming, but... Um, yeah, overcoming it. <laughs> overcoming the programming. What what do you think that's um do you think that's like an evolutionary thing or if it, if it's a just a consciousness thing in, in the in the way that humans' brains have evolving and are continuing to evolve? Part of the game, Mitch. Like, you know, I think when we come when we come um when when we come from oneness, when we come from consciousness, we we are at one, you know, we're we're in that collective, you know, that higher consciousness, yeah, where we are our higher self. This is my higher self right now driving this avatar. Your higher self is driving yours, right? But before we come into this body, we get squeezed into this little body on this plane, we're aware of all of reality. Yeah. yeah? And we're aware of our connection with oneness and we're aware of our soul group and all the rest of it. So we have a consciousness of that. But that wouldn't work. Can you imagine being here every day and being aware that that's where you came from and then going through this physical experience, it would be hell on a stick for most. It would be hard. Yeah. It would be really hard. And you do hear you hear of people who take their own lives because they come, they know that there is a home that's not here. There is this, and home being this oneness, this unity. Yeah. And here is the the here is separation. Yeah? yeah. And the separation obviously is for the purpose of making this journey from oneness out of oneness and then back to oneness. Yeah. So, so I think then what happens is when you come in, you make a decision to come in, you make a choice to come in, but um, then there is, you know, they call the veil or the forgetting yep. um, where that part of us gets blocked out and you'll be reaccessed with that once you pass over or have a near-death experience or, Maybe go and have some hallucinogenics or whatever your whatever your choice is, but there. But until you do that, that'll be blocked from you, um, because I think that's that's the covenant, that's the agreement. I, I listened to a, a bloke um, who who um, I can't think of the podcast now, but did this podcast um, about life, like I'm remembering all of his life before he came. Okay. So that is, when he came for the first, he he, he when he came, he re retained a recollection of the reality from whence he came to join oh, him. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was fascinating. He said that he said, and what had happened was, he said, I remember a time he was a being floating around, a light being somewhere, and he meets this other light being, and the other light being says to him, he starts chatting it, and he says, the other light being, he said. You are exuding this richness, this light, this depth. How do you do it? You've got this there's something about you. And the light being says to him, it comes from physical experience. And the bloke, and he said, I want me some of that. I want me some <laughs> experience. And the light being says, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, far out. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. So I guess says, no, no, I, no, I want it. It's right. <laughs> Your guides. It's a great story, right? So you know, <laughs> story, and the guides say, right, yeah, you're sure. Absolutely. I want some of that because I want that bug spot. <laughs> anyway, um, so they, they, they give him, 
give him a life. He reviews the life he's going to have. Yeah, that one's fine. So anyway, he um, so he's conceived, and he begins, and he gets drawn into the drawn into the womb. The moment he gets drawn into the womb, he feels this expansiveness of who he is shrink down from you know. Think of the expansiveness of the universe being shrinking down into a pinhead. He's like, this is not good. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. So he fights it. He oh, fights yeah. it. No, no, I don't want it. No, 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 no. And he aborts. So the so the fetus aborts. So that life's over. So then he goes back. He says, so what happened? I said, well, you aborted. You fought life. He said, oh, jeez. So you want to go back again? He said, well, no. Well, you can't just go back. So they gave him a life review. What was the, and they gave him a life review of the and the impact you know the impact he had on the mother, on the father, on the other people who expected all of the things the people he wasn't going to connect with. You want to go again? Okay, okay. I'll go. Oh, you know, no, no. I definitely want. No, I'm definitely going to do it this time. He goes down again and he fights again. <laughs> again. And, and he said in that moment, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so he's trying to abort again. And um, and then he's and then he said, you know, in his spirit. So he, this is a spirit being aware of all of reality. Then the divine reality, the Creator, appeared to him and said, "You never, you never away from me." I'm always with you, whether you're there or here. I'm always there. And he went, oh, oh, okay. And so then he came into this incarnation. Right. Now, I don't know how we got onto that story. It's a great story. I've right? never heard that story, but that is, that's it's, amazing. Because if I find the podcast, I'll send it to you. It's a great to listen to. So I think, don't worry, that seven years is about, is about the building of the personality more so. Yeah. But in terms of, um, this forgetting where we've come from. So we come in and we're, and we're connected. We come out, we go, oh, I know where we're coming from. And then we just get closed off. And our journey is through this physical experience to take ourselves back to that knowing of oneness and that connection with all that is. So that hopefully when we're on our deathbed and we're about to pass over, it's not such a big leap. Yeah, I fully agree. No, that's really well said. It's a constant, constant remembrance, isn't it? <laughs> that's what it feels like for me anyway, constantly just remembering these little things as, yeah. as life goes on. I think another funny thing about that story, that great story was the, the light beings wanting to um, expand by um, having a physical experience and often physical beings like humans want to expand by being with light beings. It was like a flip of the situation. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Do you, what, in, in light of what you've just said, um, do, you think that's, do you think that's why people fear, um, some people fear like quote-unquote self-development? when people come to see you or but maybe even before when people come to see you um and obviously that's hard for you to comment on because i haven't seen you but like is it a fear of that oneness like are they scared are we just scared of it are we just not ready to step into it do we need a little bit do we need a little bit more pain and suffering until we're ready to um you know until we're ready until we got that courage take take the leap i wonder how much it is an australian thing um, but people are terrified of their greatness. Isn't that? Yeah, fully agree. <laughs> people are terrified of who they can be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all this bravado and stuff, but great, all their greatness lies beyond all of that. Yeah. Um, so I think 
and I never understood there was that, that isn't that quote from Marianne Williamson or something, you know, that that um, people are terrified of their own light. That's the real, that's the true fear. Yeah, I agree. Um, which Obama quoted, but of course he didn't come up with it. Yeah. Um, and I never understood it, but the more I coach, the more I'm working with people for them to step into their power yeah. and to step into who they truly are. And sometimes, you know, um, I've almost got to get a, a cattle prodder and jam it right up their jacksy mm. to get them to step into who they are. Yeah. Not to do anything that's not them and not authentic, but yeah. there is a terror about this. There's a bit of this terror about who am I to say that? Who am I to be that person? Yeah. Um, you know, how can I deserve that? And I think, again, see, I think, I think, Mitch, when we come in, you know, you think if you came from them, if, if you, if you, were abandoned by your mother, for example, right, at three months old and one day she just didn't turn up, what meaning would you make of that as a child? What meaning would you make of it? Probably that you, it was your fault, you weren't good enough, you know. And that's what people make often or some people make the meaning, I'll show that bitch, you know, I'm going to make the most of my life. But again, what are they driven by? They're driven by that pain, yeah? Now, let's take that one step further. Imagine coming out of the bosom of all that is, of, of unconditional love. That is the, the creator, the God source, the universe, the divine, whatever it is. And all that is, is unconditional love that accepts you and loves you no matter what. And you are the one minute in that going, oh, it's fantastic. And the next minute, she's gone ski. What would you decide? What would you decide? Well, the Enneagram says, and this is how he categorizes it, when we go to that point of separation, we all immediately feel we're missing something. Yeah. We're something about this. We had this thing, now we don't have it. So shit, 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 what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, obviously, I'm lacking something, so I've got to, I've got to, um, I've got to do something to to make it better. So, one person will say, "Well, I used to feel strong, now I don't. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to put on this veneer of strength." That's that aggressive eight style we often talk about. Another person says that that's left me clearly. I'm not lovable because I used to, I was in this I was in this unconditional love, and it's been taken away from me. So, I mustn't be lovable. So now I'm going to prove to the world how lovable I am. I am by being everyone's helper by doing everything for everyone. Somebody else says, oh, my God, I feel fundamentally, I'm, I'm missing that unconditional love. There's something evil about me. Why would that be withdrawn? That total acceptance and desert, sense of being deserving and love, of being loved, why would that be withdrawn? There must be something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm flawed, so I have to make everything perfect. I have to be the one who always stands up to, to make sure I've got integrity. So every style is driven by this sense of pain, yeah. that thing that I'm lacking. Um, there you go. Anyway, I don't know if that was relevant. <laughs> uh, oh, it, it is relevant. I, I try not to get caught in using only myself as an example, but I, I hear what you're saying because it is a, it's a feeling of lack um, as opposed to, yeah, like feeling expanded and feeling whole with, with everybody else. And mm. Enneagram, um, does a good job at um, 
for lack of a better word, categorizing people into how they're perceiving that. Cause I know when I first, when I first met you and I did the Enneagram test, it was around that time where I thought I fucking knew everything. And you know what I mean? It was like, I'd see it and I was like, I oh, know I don't fit into that category. I, I'm fucking, you know what I mean? Whatever. And, um, and then when you do it, obviously um, you do the questionnaires and a lot of the, and you realize a lot of the similarities come up um, and more so, uh, not maybe not more so because it was it was a big tool for me. But when you, then when you also see other people that are perceiving things that the way they are like different different numbers for the enneagram, but people are just having that different pers- perspective of that. And it's funny because um, uh, we're both sevens, <laughs> and which is in the enneagram. And there was only like a few people at the company that were like that. And then when I when you realize it. Um, that the other person is like a seven, you see the similar similarities, mm. same as, you know, the, the eights that it can be, I, I don't know what the technical term is, but they're a little bit more louder and bit not, you know, it can be a bit more perceived as be, to be more aggressive and stuff like that, <laughs> which is, um, which is always funny. Um, when you, when you start the Enneagram, did you find it, um did you find it difficult not to like just see people as a number um yeah when i never see people as a number i think i think i see people as um so firstly let's talk about the enneagram the enneagram can be abused and used improperly if it's used to just stick you in a box. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, gotcha. That'd be a shocking way to use it. Yeah, because sure. it's, it's not its best use. Um, but 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 it's not actually true because what it does is it just describes the box you're playing in. Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. What yeah, is like it's like the team you're on. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you are you are a being who can play a whole bunch of games, but you've yeah. chosen this one. So yeah. the question is, do you want to stay in that box and keep getting what you're getting, you know, the whole, you know, you know, keep beating the head against the wall or, you know, what's the definition of an insanity doing the same thing twice and thinking you'll get a different result? So so the question is, the beauty of the Enneagram is to say, well, here's the box. You can stay in it if you want, but here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And here's going to be, you're going to go down here, you're going to go up there, you'll experience that, you'll experience that, you'll get on a ride, but it'll be exhausting. You yeah. can play a different game and the different game is, Try to get out of that box. That's sort of that's that's the beauty of the enneagram. Yeah. So I see people, and yeah, I mean, I see I, I see people. What I see, I know maybe because I'm getting a bit older, I see the heart and love in people. Yeah. And I use then the enneagram helps me understand what they're struggling with. Yeah. Why it is they're not shining as they could shine. No, I get that. Yeah, you're not using the Enneagram first and then asking questions after it. You, you already see people a specific way for the way that they are and then you're using the Enneagram yeah. as, more of a, as more of a tool to help them. It's, it's a bit addictive because I do. I sort of say, what, what, the, what style they are? Yeah. <laughs> because then it helps you. It sort of gives you a bit of a – you can then begin to sort of – see what they're doing you know like it gives you much more insight into 
what's really going on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, for example, yeah, you know, you know, you know, like a, you'd meet the eight style. Yeah. We think a couple of your former big, you know, loud and aggressive colleagues. Yeah. Once you know they're the eight style, you just go, oh, I see what's yeah. going on. For sure. They're, they're in fear. Yeah. They're in danger. And what does that do? That builds compassion. Yeah. And compassion is, you know, that seed of connecting with everyone, isn't it? If we don't have compassion, how do we do it? And of course, we've got to have, if we don't have compassion for others, how do we have compassion for ourselves? Yeah, for sure. Like, and the pip, I always find um, another one to recognize pretty easy is like people pleasing, which is a lot of people. I'm sure everyone does yeah. it to a certain extent, but um, that's always an example that that I always that I always think of because I know one one thing that I'll share that that you highlighted to me in one of our first sessions was um, was what we end up term, terming the froth. Do you remember that the froth? froth? <laughs> and that was a that was a um, that was a a bit of an indication for me to know that I was sort of coming out of myself. I was coming out of myself in the, you know, the, the wrong way. Like I was frothing and I was like, everything was great. And I was just like chasing the feeling and I, and, but all I wanted and like, all I wanted was more froth. You know what I mean? And, and it was funny because you were explaining this up and down roller coaster, this wavelength of just going up and down. And I was sort of relating it to like my, upbringing and specifically when i was partying hard and i was just like i was that guy i was just like it was i'd chase that froth until there was no froth left froth left in the uh in the country and it was it was funny because but it it made a huge difference because like i said it was around the time where i was exploring different things but what it um, allowed me to be was aware that when i was when I was approaching that froth state, it was like, whoa, hold on a second. Like you go over that and it's it, it, for me anyway, and I'm sure people can write in their own way. But for me anyway, it was like, <clears throat> if I went past it, if, I, if I'd gone past it, it was a lot harder to then ground myself. So the trick was to sort of go, oh, hold on a second, starting to froth here, <laughs> you know. Now the thing with our style is that, 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 frothy excitement once we achieve it that's the high which the low will follow exactly yeah and that's all styles i mean style when when we're um you know look at look at the that that helper style who you know their self-esteem goes up and down like in the same way that our excitement goes up and down right their self-esteem goes up and down depending on who looked at them sideways in the last five seconds Mm. or who said that nice word to them or didn't say that nice word to them it's yeah. the same thing, you know. So yeah. their thing is we're looking for excitement. They're constantly looking for validation, external validation, you know, to have people telling them that, that they're a good person. Yeah. So on. all of the styles doing something. You know, the eight, the eight would be more about being in control, you know. I've got to have control and, like, fight and fight and fight and get to have control. But what we know is as soon as you've got control, what happens next? You don't have control, yeah. So, so they're, like, Fight, fight. Oh, yes, that's it. No, no, shit. Now she's all gone to shit. And so what do they do? They're having to absolutely, absolutely ramp them up all the time, ramp themselves up all the time to try to to try to try maintain the control. It's like, the, you know, the, that other style that likes to achieve. I'm as good. I'm good because look at all the stuff I get done. Again, work, work hard, work hard, work hard. I got this great thing. Look how good it feels. They get that buzz. But all of a sudden that buzz goes, Oh well, you're only as good as your last deal, and um, that deal was a week ago. So, um, geez, down I go again. So all of the styles have this little vacillation, yeah, 
um, all personalities do. And the challenge is to get away from the addiction of the thing that we need. And there we come back to our comfort point, you know, what's the thing that we're looking forward to feel great all the time. What we want to do is want to be wary of (laughs) that peak thing that we're trying to achieve because once we, when we do that, that's when we're going deep into our personality. That's when our ego is really taking over and for sure and for certain, we're going to get a dip. We're going to get the 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 um the dark side of it's going to follow. Yeah, because yeah. everybody's thing is going to be different, like you just said. Yeah, and I know for myself, uh, when we that was first highlighted, I th- thought that that meant that I like couldn't be excited, like I couldn't have the same level of excitement. Um, which it wasn't wasn't true. Um, what it what it meant that there was a different different sort of feeling to that excitement that I knew I know I know the difference between just feeling general excitement and like having a good time to the difference to the that froth excitement that can that will cause the crash <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like so, manic. It's got that real manic sort of it does, edginess. yeah and I know and I know now that I've known about it for a few years it's um and because I've because you know like it's taken years and still happens every now and then it's taken years to, you know, really feel, uh, sorry, being more, a little bit more in tune with how I feel as that's happening to know that that's the one that's happening and Hey, be aware of it. Because if you, if you play with it, um, you know, the, 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 the down for me would be, yeah, like just being upset and stuff like that. And, and um, so yeah, everyone's got their up and down. I suppose it's, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of becoming a little bit more aware of it, isn't it? Being aware mm. of that. You said before, like it's, it's the manic is, is it, would you say it's the, would you say that's a, another, that, that word can be used for people that say aren't a seven or whatever, and it's not excitement that they're feeling or it's the self-esteem or it's the uh, accomplishment or whatever it is. It's the intensity of the emotion that they're seeking, I think. Okay. So for, for example, you know, where does the intensity of a nine take the mind take them to numbing out altogether? Mm. You know, they, 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 they so drive to, to seek comfort that the manic level of that would be, I just numb out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually now disconnected from my emotions. What about for five? What would, what would happen if we talk about that sort of engineering style who's looking for, you know, worried about scarcity of resources, trying to compartmentalise everything, trying to get everything in boxes. Um, when they play that to the nth degree, where's that take them? It takes them into this mad mental space where they're totally disconnected from their emotions and in and ultimately totally disconnected from reality. Now, we might call that their manic state. Yeah. So I think we could say... We could say each of them, each of the different styles. We could say, um, well, look at, uh, say, the four style. Let's look at the four style, which is that creative artist style, which is, you know, the, the Van Goghs, the, the, the Bob Dylans, the um, Prince, or the artist formerly known as Prince. Right? You know, Amy, Amy Winehouse, who was one. Most of the great artists of the world fit that four style. They love this sense of significance and um, and meaning. And when they really get frothy about that, 
um, what happens to them. Let me just play that out. So really, this they re, they they get a that the what that leads them to is a real yearning and this longing, and that learning and the longing then takes them to this deep melancholy, and that then takes them into this you know depressive state. Yeah. So I think each of us, depending on who we are and how healthy we are and our style, yeah, we do go to some sort of manic stuff. Just so happens ours is <laughs> we're, we're the we're the uh, we're the crazy Robin Williams end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, I relate. Um, you um, you uh, obviously speak of truth, and um, you you use the term of like uh, calling people out on their bullshit, um, which is obviously very important. Do you, how do you, like you personally, I suppose it's a bit more of a personal question. How do you, because you're obviously very, you're a very compassionate person. How do you maintain that level of compassion whilst also, you know, being somewhat straightforward in the sense that, you know, you believe that someone needs their bullshit to be called out on? You know, I, I realise in your instance, it's it's often your job, but, you know, you, you are very compassionate. I, I know from experience. Um, so how, how do you, how do yeah, how do you deal with that? Just have love in your heart. Yeah. Just have love in your heart and want the best for the person you're talking to. And that's truthfully what I want. I always want the best for them. Yeah. I want the best for whoever I'm talking to. Yep. And... um. My, my challenge is to just have love in my heart and make no judgments about where they are or what choices they make. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the, you know, and so, and, and, and just to realise that you're in service, so get out of your, get out of the way. Back in the early days, I was always worried about impressing people when I was a coach, mm. you know. Are they getting good value? Am I saying the right thing? Have they got the aha moment? Yeah. idea was this a good session was it not a good session and as i've got older and you know obviously got more skilled in my craft i guess um as i've got older though i'm less worried about that i'm more just in the moment for the person and trying to hold the space for for the person i'm talking to which means whether or not i'm doing a great job is not important whether or not I've, you know, it's whether or not I'm, you know, moving to this technique or I've got something lined, I've got a thought for the next five minutes, these these issues are irrelevant. Yeah. And the more I can let go of the process um, and hold the space, what I discover is if I do it with, as I say, with compassion and love in my heart, people find all their own answers. People find all their own answers. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. And I go, yeah, well, what's it? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very true, isn't it? Yeah, I can relate a lot to what you just said then. It's it's another one of those ones that you made it sound so simple, but as soon as you said it, it made a lot of sense. Like it almost seemed like my question was really complex. And I was like, how's he going to fucking answer this? And then you're just like, oh, it's easy. <laughs> Love and compassion in my heart. And I was like, oh, it is easy. <laughs> No, there's nothing more to be said. Um, what would you, this is another sort of personal question. Um, what would you say that you've learnt most about yourself um, since you sort of st started the, oh, no, it doesn't even necessarily have to be. Let's not, I was going to say, what did you le most learnt about yourself? Biggest lesson as far as like when you started coaching. But I mean, the, the lesson may have come from when you were in law or whatever. Is there, is there anything that, um, 
any one or which is yeah one thing I suppose that stands out now that's that's made you. Um, I think what stands out is that that great that same thing that I've I've you know been afraid of my own. Oh, I've sort of been afraid of my own greatness. Not uh, well, it's not really a good way to put it. But I I've been hiding myself away for a long time. Stepping, in, stepping into your light. Yeah, you know, just just playing just enough to yeah. make sure that I live a good life and support, you know, that comfort courage thing, you know. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm courageous enough so that I can um, do well enough, but I seek comfort enough so that I, you know, I, I, I'm not totally out there. People always say to me, why haven't you written a book? Good question. reason I haven't, you know, truthfully, the reason I haven't written a book, honestly, is because, you know, I've got stuff, you know, less so now, but I used to have stuff about what do I know, what have I got to write, but I've actually written stuff. And I said, oh, that's good. So, okay, I got, I got over that. But the thing is, the more public I become, the more visible I become, the more easy it is for people to criticise me. And that's been something that's been a fear for me for a lot of my life yeah so so that's probably something that's you know the last you know that all this journey it's funny to get on this coaching journey this coaching journey has been all about being authentically me selling myself you know i am the product um getting out and talking to people um which means coming out of the shadows um you know don't be anonymous be who you are so I think the lesson, that's the lesson for me is, you know, in this this life seems to be stepping into and just owning who I am and, you know, if people don't like it, well, you know, let them say what they want to say. And I find that hard. I still find that tough, getting much better at it. But, yeah, that's challenging. No, I like that. That's a, that's a good answer. I can, I can relate to it. I can see where you, where you come from. It would be... I know you a little bit more than maybe people that are going to listen to the podcast, but it's also something that I wouldn't have expected you to say because you, um, you, you are a confident person. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you conduct yourself well, and you're good. You're good with words when you present when you're with one on one. So it's interesting to hear. Like I mean, everybody's got their own things, their own limitations, or whatever. You don't know what the word is that you want to call them that you got to work through. But it's it's often interesting to hear someone else's. Um, and there be not just just proves that you don't really know what's really going on inside inside someone. Everyone's got their own stuff that we're working with. Hey, mm, 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 absolutely. Um, all right, I think we've been doing pretty good here. I only ask one common question at the end, Andrew, um, and there obviously is no right or wrong. So whatever you whatever you however you want to answer it, but. Um, I'm always interested in what the present moment means to you. Is this a test? No, no test. (laughs) What does the present moment mean to me? Hmm. Well, I think the present moment is what's most overlooked by everyone. And it's where so few people spend their attention which is sad, isn't it? Yeah. You know, everyone's thinking about what's for dinner, mm. what's on at work, 
what meaning I've got going to. Um, what are we going to do? You know, what TV are we going to watch after that? Um, yeah. So the present moment, of course, is you know it's the it's the window to to. For me, it's the window to that sense of unity, to that sense of oneness, is to be in the present moment. If you want to experience, I think, unconditional love, if you want to experience a connection with all things, to, to literally experience it, to be really in the present moment is, um, is a wonderful beginning, uh, I think. Um, a bit of commentary, I might say, when you look at the Enneagram of the nine styles, you got three styles that are always looking at the forward, looking at the future. We're one of those. Yeah. You got three styles that are always looking at the past. The three styles looking at the forward are like, you know, always future focused because they've <laughs> lost sense of knowing. They've lost sense of their knowing. So they're like, you know, the ones looking forward are like, okay, well, um, what are we going to do? Well, we don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, some try to work it out. Some are worried, well, I'll make sure there's every danger. People like us just try to taste everything, you know. No, I won't be this, I won't be that. <laughs> then you got the ones in the past who are all looking in the past, not looking in the present moment, all looking in the past is look at these various things in my life, look what I've done and see what that says about me. So that's more about their image. And then you've got three, those instinctive styles, which are more, they're, they're not in the present moment. They're observing the now. They're just trying to control it to make it perfect or to make it go their way or to maintain comfort. So I think it's fundamental to the frailties of personality not to be in the moment, in the present moment. Yeah, gotcha. The depth, yeah, the depth of who we are actually lies in the present moment. And I think the way to live life in harmony, you look at Michael Singer's book, and I love, you know, the, the surrender experiment. Um, but Michael Singer's book and the untethered soul, that ability to meet the moment as it is and allow life to work its way through you. Now that is a recipe for heaven on earth, which I think it actually is heaven on earth. Um, I think we are here. Um, despite all this hoo-ha that's going on around us. Um, particularly in this country. Um, you know, all of the stuff that's been going on over the last two years, just go outside for two minutes, sit under a tree and, and ask the tree whether it's noticed the difference or a lizard or, you know, check out the kookaburra and say, yeah, how are you going during COVID? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the truth is um, the world's doing pretty well without us, without all the nonsense we're involved in at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that's a good answer or not, mate. But the ah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great answer. I love it. It's, it's it's so true. We get caught in thinking that we're the only thing that's going on in the cosmos, and it's just <laughs> go and ask the tree. Go and ask the tree. Let him tell you. <laughs> cook a bar. Let he'll respond. He'll just laugh. He'll love his own giggle. Yeah, he'll love his own giggle at you. Um, no, that was great, mate. I appreciate that. That's really good. Um, was there anything else that come up that you wanted to touch on that um, maybe we didn't or anything you else you want to leave us with? I just think, um, you know, we're at a, we're at a 
time in in history where um, there is a real awakening. Yeah. And it's in, and and that's why we're all here. We're all here for this time to awaken to who we are. And it just sounds pity, doesn't it? What does that mean? It's just such bloody new age bullshit. Well, the truth is when you finally get to the stage of beginning to awaken who you are, you realise, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And, um, and there's no mystery to getting there because it's already who you are. It's not like, you know, oh, look at you. You're enlightened. You're not. No, that's total bullshit. We are all these sentient spiritual beings and we are all on this journey. And, you know, everyone, we all want at a soul level for each of us to awaken to who we are. It's not a fucking competition. <laughs> a journey for humanity. Yeah. So it's not a matter of your light and you're not. It's not about that. It's about each of us helping others, meeting them where they're at on their journey. To help them take that next step, and you know what they're going to, people are going to take that next step. Whether it's just a question of when, yeah, because that's how it works. That's the game. Um, and so I, I, I just, you know, my thought for everyone is, get in contact with nature, get outside, get your feet on the ground, earth, be in the moment, and that's what I do now, which is one of my rituals. Now I get some, um, have a little bit of a sacred ceremony. Not every evening, but probably three, four evenings a week. I have a little set, sacred ceremony, a little smoking ceremony, and I go and sing songs of praise, get my feet off, get my feet off, get my shoes off, stand in the grass and connect and, and thank the Mother Earth and I thank the Creator and I, I thank the, you know, the, the, the air and, and the earth and, and, you know, the elements and the four directions and all of that. You do whatever, whatever works for you yeah. to just connect um, and begin to embrace this journey of awakening to who we are, to, the, to, uh, to who we are both as an individual but also as a collective because I think humanity, if there ever was a time for humanity to come together, um, now's the time. Yeah, beautifully said. Thanks, Andrew. We're all in it together, aren't we? <laughs> like it or not. Yeah, yeah, and you can laugh at it as much as you want as, as well. But it's um, if you really sit down and just have a little think about it, you know damn well how true it is. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, man. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you taking your time. I appreciate um, appreciate everything you've said. It's been great. I look forward to listening to it myself and taking um, being able to um sit down and absorb it uh for a second time um and thanks for everything that um, you've done for me as well over the last few years you've definitely joined me at a pivotal time and i think actually to be perfectly honest you'd be you would play a part in me being able to have the courage to do this podcast because for a few years there i was um i was comfortable and i was being a little bitch and um <laughs> now um now i'm able to do it and i really enjoy it so i appreciate that Thank you for that as well. Um, but before we go, let people know where they can find you, please. Um, anyone's interested, my website is andrewhughes.com. Just andrewhughes.com. And you can always just contact me, andrew at andrewhughes.com. Pretty easy to remember. Um, if anyone's interested in doing the Enneagram, if you go to my 
website, andrewhughes.com um, forward slash Enneagram, you'll be able to navigate down, do the Enneagram test and um, send it to me and I'll send you some results and you can have a bit of a read. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate your time. You're on your Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe wherever your ears choose to listen and leave a review if this podcast has helped broaden that horizon. I'd love to hear from you and what you got out of this episode. Stay weird, be yourself, and above all, remember to step over the ants.